Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is the show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we're developing to help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. So finally, some good fantasy news. His Dark Materials is back. It is back. After after a year of postponements of like movies and things that we wanted to see, this is a welcome change. Something that was in the can a year ago. <laughs> <laughs> I am I, I am interested to know how much of this like what was the effect of COVID on shooting, on finishing this show i thought i thought they shot seasons one and two together they were still shooting it they were still shooting it when hdm was um coming out last year so i don't know if that was season three but i'm pretty sure it's not because there were some scenes of lee spoilers no <laughs> uh i can't remember i mean like i and this is the first thing i'll say in watching these is remembering how much i don't remember well they've changed just enough that it's confusing Yes. Like, yes, like when does Will get the knife? Like, what's happening? <laughs> like, you know, it is like it is all of these timeline things, and like ugh, you change just enough that I'm totally thrown off about where we are and what we're doing. Mm-hmm. So the yeah. I would say that the we're talking about episode one, and it had to do the, the recap had to do a lot of heavy lifting. <laughs> it, wow. Yeah, it did. I can only imagine people that have never read these. I. I think it's it was harder to get back into the story, easier to get into the cinematography. Like it's a fun show to watch if you mm-hmm. don't care about what's happening. <laughs> right. Yeah, it is. It is. I, I kinda like the world, the vision that they have. Some of it's pretty good. Um I am fully on board now with Ruth being the mother. Same. Whether or not I I still just like there's still a little bit of an allergic reaction to it, but I don't know if I like it, but it's compelling. <laughs> she is compelling as Mrs. Coulter. Well, I actually think I actually think that all of my frustrations about casting last year, I was pleasantly surprised in this episode to find they were all compelling. I would say that they were yeah. they were actually all compelling. Like I was not frustrated with anyone. Like, oh, okay. I, I think maybe mentally I had lowered the bar quite a bit. <laughs> and then like seeing them all again acting was like, oh, okay, this is fine. I do think that Will is a little bit more, is a little bit closer to who I expected him to be. And I think has, if not a better actor, he's like more in it than Lyra. Yeah, I agree with that. I I just, one of the things is like, I, I feel like, They've, yeah, they've expanded this into a series, and I feel like it's still going to be way too short. Like, they're still trying to stuff way too many things together. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really understand what the point of expanding this into a a miniseries is if they're not going to go deep on deeper on things that they should. Like, yeah, I understand in a movie, right, you have to move so fast. In a miniseries, you're not supposed to have to move fast, and it still feels like, okay, we're really 
really whipping along here to get things in. Yeah. And I, but I, I do appreciate that feels like we're whipping along and they're getting a lot done and it's not enough. <laughs> right. Exactly. I, I think, I think you could maintain this pace. But when do you turn it into the Hobbit? Well, that's the question. Yeah. What, what is the, right. what's the line basically between like the extended editions of Lord of the Rings, which are, which are close <laughs> to being full. And when do you turn mm-hmm. into the Hobbit where you're like, oh, way too much. <laughs> like, You've done everything and then added. Yeah, to it. exactly. You've dived deeper than you needed to and you've added some stuff. Well, let's just kind of go through the episode. So we start with, um, in, we basically are following just two tracks here today. Mm-hmm. It was a little bit hard because the review, because the, um, the um, reminder review that he had is like so long and like forgetting what, what was in there. And then the like preview was, was intense. Cause that was like the whole season. Yeah. 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 All the footage that they have basically they put in there. But anyway, so we're following Mrs. Coulter who is, um, found herself again on the outs with every man in the, um, magisterium. <laughs> Not every man in the magisterium. The... <laughs> Torturing a witch. Yep. And then, so the, like, really creepy guy is now going to be the tra- in charge of the magisterium. Cool. All right, that's one side of, of things. And she's finally understood that maybe Lyra is part of this prophecy. On the other <laughs> side of it, you have Lyra walking around a jungle world, finding Will, finding out that daemon, demons might not be common across the different worlds, running into a Mormont. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great, like, I know that fa- I know that face <laughs> moment. <laughs> I did it. I I like immediately knew, but then I was like, no, I can't. Just just like a precocious young actress. No, it's the same. Like, one. Yeah, it is. Okay. And then just hanging out in City Gaza. Yep. That was just hanging out. Quite a lot of hanging out. I mean, <laughs> the exposition was. That was a that was yeah, a good yeah, amount yeah. of exposition. A lot of exposition had to. So I was really expecting there to be um, Will standing there with a knife at the end of this. Yeah, that's. I mean, that that's my previous C previous <clears throat> point of like, when does Will get the knife? How does Will get the knife? What happens here? Yeah, yeah. I really thought, and then I confused. We'll find out. And welcome back to all of our baseball non um hdm aficionados <laughs> so now we're going to talk about the epl <laughs> yeah and another non-baseball topic you know more good news in in general although the you know the decision on whether the weekend is a complete win will be set set today by the time people are listening to this uh so we we did pretty well we had made we actually made some predictions in the pod last week uh two weeks ago two weeks ago <laughs> two weeks ago we we successfully picked West Ham. That was a good one. We successfully picked Man United. Both of those one zero just nail biters. And then we unsuccessfully picked Arsenal, who had a beautiful zero zero draw with Leeds. They were they were outplayed. Oh, they were st- severely down, outplayed. <laughs> they were outplayed, and then they went down a man, and then were even more down <laughs> outplayed. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't watch enough of that to like under understand fully what had happened. But so, so how they got that played. The bottom line is that it all comes down to the wolves tonight. 
It all comes down to the wolves. We're doing okay. I mean, we're going to at least have picked 50% correct. Hopefully 75%. So this brings me to next weekend and asking whether you want to get on the record now. Yeah, let's do it. Some very obvious ones. And then... Well, are we going to... Do we have to, like... Okay, so Man City Burnley. Yeah. (laughs) Is there even a point? (laughs) Um... Yeah, I mean, it. you know, it, it's a question of what we're trying to maximize here. If we're just trying to go for number correct, obviously Man City. <laughs> I think we are. Well, then we should go for Man City. Uh, I mean, I, I like Man City. I like Leicester. <laughs> I like... Yeah. I mean, there's, there, is, there are some nice top-of-table, bottom-table matchups. <laughs> like, we got, we got Liverpool versus Liverpool Brighton. Liverpool over Brighton, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so we 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 picked three obvious ones. The question is whether we're going to stick with those. I I mean, Arsenal over Wolves. Are we going to go back to the Arsenal Arsenal pool? No, stay no. away. Are we? I I mean, I would basically if Wolves win today, take Wolves. keep riding the Wolves. I mean, I kind of I kind of like Man U, or I would do Wolves if they win today. We could we could keep that as a floater for tonight. Okay, I think I would. I, okay, so I like. Duh, I mean, I would take Liverpool, Man City. Man U, Leicester City, and then I would take the Wolves over Arsenal if they win, but I would take out the Liverpool over Brighton because I feel like those are, or, yeah, the Liverpool over Brighton. I'd take them out. All right. There we go. We're resolved. Boy, speaking of Arsenals, <laughs> uh, we... <Nice. laughs> we... We're going to talk more about, uh, more about pitch Arsenals today, and I think the objective... I texted you about this. And I, I think we need to double down on this, which is we need more well-posed problems in the pitch arsenal universe. And what I mean by that is, like, mm-hmm. we took a deep dive on two-seamers versus sinkers, and that was a super well-posed question, which is, are they different? Are they the same? And that's something that we can, like, okay, let's really look at this and try and figure it out. But saying something more nebulous like, what's the effect of a pitch arsenal <laughs> is or like how do we how do we classify whether a whether a guy's pitch arsenal is good or bad is a way harder problem and i don't know what to do with that mm-hmm. it's too deep too deep a question so i was hoping that we could kind of with on the the heels of sort of what we figured out last week that we could come up with another well-posed problem or like the stepping stones to some larger thing well i want to stay in forcing fastballs and this i want to stay in the piece that i had i had stated before the pandemic which is i want to understand whether or not you know we we made this claim last week that the um velocity of the forcing fastball did not directly correlate with success. I mean, I'm sure that you like the trend line is there, but it's not a direct relationship. I want to understand if that's, that has more of a direct correlation then still than with um, spin rate or movement. So you just want to look at the correlations between those. Yeah. I think we should do that, and I think we should loop in the other thing that we've looked at, which is outcome evaluation. Like, use outcome evaluation to determine the, to make, to try and develop some metric for the quality of the pitch. 
we have to figure out how we can actually do that, right? Yes. That's because one thing that we have not been really able to do is figure out how to quantify outcome. It seems like it's so easy, but it's not. Because we're so used to numbers and outcome is a Boolean. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going to say. It's like, it's hard because it's, it's because it's discrete. I mean, you'd almost want to encode it by like total bases achieved and then, you know, strikeouts are a minus number or something <laughs> like, you know, a, a field out is a zero and a strikeout is a, a minus one. Oh, I see. So a strikeout is a negative one. A field out is a zero. Then one, two, three, four. One, two, three, yeah. four. We could give that a try. Well, I guess we should look at the equations for things like XFIP. Let's do that right now. The formula is HR times 13 plus BB plus HBP minus IBBB times 3 minus K times 2 divided by innings pitch. Right. So those tunings are definitely the Bill James value idea. <laughs> The fact that there's a third, like the fact that there's a thirteen in front of the home runs, home run times thirteen. So I mean that that bodes well for your exponential theory, right? Like home mm. runs are really, really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a pitcher. Oh, plus a league specific, usually around three point two to round out the number to an equivalent number. So I think we're going to do that. And I like your, so I like your idea, like, okay, we should stick with four seam fastballs. That's still the, the currency, <laughs> the main currency with which pitchers are evaluated. Yeah. That's like, let's focus on the turkey for <laughs> Thanksgiving dinner. You're not wrong though. <laughs> that's the turkey. The, um, I don't know, the two-seam versus sinkers is like arguing about whether the cranberry sauce should be lumpy or not. <laughs> yes. It's not cranberry sauce if it's cranberry jelly. <laughs> Good argument. I disagree. Okay, so I think first task is to make sure that the that the four seam fastballs are all accurately sorted. <laughs> so I can I will build you I will build us a clean <laughs> a clean data catalog that we can both play with. Okay. So that way I, I, that, that actually is yes, that's very important. That way we don't have to reinvent the wheel every time we want to pull a sample of four seamers. And I think the key is Four seamers from right-handers in a single year, or mm -hmm. left-handers. But because if we're going to consider motion, we should restrict ourselves to one side right now. I'm in. Yeah, that was an early early finding from this. If you if you want to consider motion, <laughs> you're just going to really confuse yourself if they're it's coming at you from two ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it kind of does. Yeah. Release point. For some reason, the release point is really far Really off. bimodal. It's so guys. weird. Yeah. <laughs> Why is this? Okay, so I'll build a clean data catalog. And that brings me to sort of my wrap point on this, which is that there, like, there are GitHub tools for these. They have been pushed, but they are mm -hmm. fully, um, here's all the things you could do with this right now instead of here's what we are doing with this right now. 
Right. There is a notebook that that walks you through everything we talked about with sinkers and, and two seamers, but everything else is like the roughest instruction manual. <laughs> I think that about brings us to the review session. Daniel Hudson. Daniel Hudson. Uh, most... Uh, what is going on here? Come on. Daniel Hudson, most recently of the Washington Nash- Nationals, but he's he's really been around. <laughs> he's really he's really moved between teams. Those I know. I had I had totally forgotten about it. I'm looking at the like I, I'm looking at his baseball reference page. I am looking at the highlights for him that I can find on YouTube, and it's like oh I fr- oh yeah. He was in Arizona. Oh yeah, he was in LA. He so he was in Arizona Toronto. for he was in Arizona for a while, mm-hmm. and then and then he bounces around. I mean, he spent he split twenty nineteen between the Blue Jays and the Nationals. Forgot that he was on the Blue Jays, but he, I totally forgot. About but that he had too. quite a few appearances. But he, ironically, he racked up more saves in twenty twenty than in any other season. <laughs> Yeah, which is well, just deeply ironic. <laughs> no, it's because he's always been the like the second guy, you know. Not even the second; he's not always been the, like the backup guy. It's always been the like. This is the analogy that I was thinking of when I was when I was watching this. It's like in 2016, there were a lot of people that I heard who are like, you know, I don't really like Hillary Clinton. Wouldn't it be great if Elizabeth Warren were running? And then all of a sudden, 2020, Elizabeth Warren is running, and people are like, no. <laughs> <laughs> she was a great as a like, theory idea of let's have that and let's try it. 2020 was the year that they're like, okay, Daniel Hudson, here are the keys. And he just like, as soon as the keys were getting tossed to him, he was saying... And great, where did these go? <laughs> I, I actually don't. I don't agree that Daniel Hudson wasn't wasn't good. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying at all. I think that he's he's always been good. He's never been given the opportunity to be the closer, and I think that a lot of people misconstrued that he was good as like he could be good in the role as closer. And it's and it's part of that argument against just the bullpen guy by committee. Use any guy any way you want to, because when he was put in the ninth inning, consistently, he consistently was not great. He does have a stunningly bad six point one ERA in twenty twenty. He racks up yeah. he racked up an amazing ten saves. <laughs> He's got in in twenty innings. And yet he still has a six point one ERA. I mean, I don't, even, I don't even know how to evaluate that. Like that's that is that's not a closer number. <laughs> that's that is bad news. Yeah, his X ERA was four point one two, which is in line with his twenty nineteen. I think yeah. part of it also was he um, he was pretty darn good in the playoffs. Well, that last, is in twenty nineteen. That is key. I think. I mean that. This is this is the thing that I I bet we remarked on it last year if it made it into the pot or not I'm not sure these are things that we you know love to consider like what what does a, a player's success in the playoffs mean for their value 
and somebody like Daniel Hudson is a poster of like, hey, this guy did really well in the playoffs. Like, is he going to be good next year? <laughs> like, mm, not really. Oh. No, I mean, I guess it was not enough. I, I don't know. Not enough time off. <laughs> I'm sure that's it. I'd forgotten that he was a starter. I had to. Way back in the day. He pitched 222 innings in 2011. Um, 2011, yeah, Arizona. It's, it's funny when there are guys that it's like, I'm sure that I like looked at him and considered him as a starter, and now can't even remember that that era. Well, he so he didn't he didn't get a single big league save until 2015, right when the Arizona bullpen was just like straight up falling apart. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the Arizona bullpen has been kind of a a mess for for a while here, and he gets no saves, twenty seventeen, twenty eighteen, and he becomes a closer, sort of in twenty nineteen, and then he's finally a closer in twenty twenty, and I guess the expectation is that he's gonna be a closer in twenty twenty one. I don't I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I I, I don't know what his role is going to be. I mean, you, you replace him if you can, right? If you're a team. You replace him with a better pitcher? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Somebody who's more closery. I actually don't... I like I like Daniel Hudson for the, the firefighter or the guy who gets your garbage time saves. I don't like him as the guy that you're throwing out there to get your safe. Yeah. Well, that was the whole thing is that he did really well when, um, I guess he only, he didn't really overlap with Doolittle that much. He was better as that option when Doolittle was, you know, doing his getting injured thing. (laughs) It's great having him as the, as the backup guy when Doolittle is getting hurt. But when Doolittle was just sucking, I, we're gonna have to talk about somebody good at some point. I mean, I, I guess, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like <coughs> we have, we've talked about all. The well, good that's, guys. I guess that's the thing. I guess I'm feeling. We talked about a good guy last last week, someone who's good at pitching, <sighs> not a good person. Yeah, that's great distinction. I, I'm coming away with this re- from these review sessions, like speaking as a whole now, a little bit more meta. <laughs> like really uncertain about what's going to happen in 2021 at the closer position. I it's, there aren't many sure things, and that's really makes fantasy really challenging. <laughs> well, I think back to our Rysel Iglesias conversation, and it's like we kept on realizing, oh, geez, he's going to be one of the top <laughs> tier two options. I know. <laughs> so I mean, this kind of this kind of gets to something that I think we should think about for ongoing during the offseason which is like where do we draft closers next year like should we would we recommend waiting more uniformly across the board i mean when that closer run starts do do you want to be part of it no i don't think you do i don't think that you do because there are so many guys who are at the same blah level the opportunity is going to be out there and we don't this 
we basically lost a year's worth of data on the closers. This was a very interesting year to do closers when it's like we don't, we can't really extrapolate out 30 innings. I think one thing that I haven't done yet that I should do from a data perspective is do the the rank uh, rank ordering of how many saves each guy got. Like take off the names and just look at the sorted list. Because that was the thing that I found when, we, when we've been doing our projections, <laughs> that it actually works because you look at, if you look at the sorting, like that curve looks the same from year to year. You just don't know which guy's going to go in which slot. Yeah, no. And the question is, does 2020 still look like that if you rescale it? Or are we in a, was it a totally new paradigm? My guess is that it still fits in that, in the old paradigm. And then we'll have to figure out what to do with that information. I think you're right. Yeah, I think it does. Well, yeah. Why am I not able to find that? I, I was just trying to come up with that number, and I can't can't do that very quickly. So yeah. Do you do you think that you want to own Hudson next year? <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> no. No, I I really I really don't. Do you? No. I would. <sighs> Even if he's a named closer, I would be worried because he's a candidate for losing that job quickly. Absolutely. I'd be very wary about spending any draft capital on him, I guess. Because it's a surefire way to not get a good return on that investment. Yep. Agreed. Wherever it is in the draft. He's kind of deceptive because he he looks fine. You know, throwing. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I think he's just, he's, there's, you know, we've, we've kind of, we've highlighted different aspects of, of guys windups or motions and he's just a pitcher. Yeah. Well, I mean, but this is the thing is like a guy like him can look good for a couple of seasons. And even as I go back through his, you know, his career is not, he hasn't been great. He had a pretty good 2019. I thought he had a pretty good 2019 and that is like coloring what I assumed that he could do this year but i mean before that it was era above four all the time so it hasn't been very good but even just last year it was he had the right matchups they're putting him in against the right matchups right that makes your era go down if you're facing the guy that you're supposed to get out in the <laughs> seventh eighth ninth inning if you're supposed if that's the matchup for you this guy can't hit your blah then yeah, you're going to look better. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for putting me up in this ideal situation. <laughs> yeah. All right. I don't want to talk about Daniel Hudson anymore. We're done with that. Who should we talk about next week? Correct me if I'm wrong, but we haven't talked about Hector Neris. We have not talked about Hector Neris. Head on up the interstate to Philadelphia. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, we're still luck to you, buddy. We're still luck to you, too. Yay!